0: Hi, and welcome to the Milk and Honey Podcast. I'm your host, Lemon Price, creator of Pricelessly Imperfect, a Girl Power Alliance Field Advisory Board member, and a Dog rescuer. This podcast is for Christian women who want to step into their kingdom leadership with all the confidence in the world. Inside, we're going to be talking about ditching antiquated views of womanhood as it relates to the kingdom, how to grow a business with God at the forefront, and stewarding all the provisions and talents God has given us so we can grow the kingdom. So whether you're a woman looking to launch her business or you're a seasoned pro, there's something here for you. Let's dive into today's episode together, shall we? I am so excited to have my friend Michelle Schaefer here with me today. Michelle is probably one of the most influential people in my life. Um, she has radically changed the way I feel about myself, the way I feel about my identity in Christ, the way I feel about the impact that I can have. And so I knew she was the perfect person to come on and talk about what it means to be a woman and leading in the kingdom because she's just radically transformed everything I think and feel and believe about myself. So thank you so much for
1: being here, Michelle. I really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Thank you for inviting me. I love you. And how – I'm so honored. I just feel um- – blessed to know you. You're amazing.
0: I just love you. She, y'all, seriously, Michelle is incredible. I probably call her on a regular basis crying about how much she has impacted me, or I just cry on calls with her. Where Same. It's fine. It's really great. Um, it's good for you. It's cleansing. <laughs> it is
1: good. You know, I didn't
0: cry until I met you. Isn't that so funny?
1: I'm not sure if that, I mean, I feel like that is a compliment, but it sounds like it's not a compliment. <laughs>
0: It is a huge compliment because I remember uh, one of my favorite conversations we've ever had is how you were like, I cry all the time and I just prayed so much that God would take this from me. But I would see women like you and I would pray to have that relationship with you and this like deep heart connection to the creator that you seem to have. And then when I met you, it was like a light bulb turned on and (laughs) the waterworks just come and it's this beautiful like healing thing and so i really and love I'm it i'm very happy
1: about it but yes that yeah. is that is completely true literally decades i prayed cuz i would you know be at a bible study or whatever and i couldn't i couldn't speak without and in the beginning when i first started speaking and and in, in like on the occasion of talking about god I actually couldn't even make words come out. And I'm not this beautiful – some people cry beautiful. Their faces look the same. They just have a crystal (laughs) tear that falls out and it's just beautiful. I am not that person. And so I I always felt very embarrassed and like it looked like I was so weak. It felt very weak. And after decades of praying, I just realized, okay, I guess he's not going to take it. So I better just actually learn to accept that that's who I am and then figure out a way to talk through it.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, that is one of the things I love the most about you is because it helped me get to a place, right? This whole time. That's why I didn't take it from you because he knew I needed it one day. Aww. That's well, what it is. I'm glad. I'm glad you can have it. <laughs> yeah. So one of the things that people always say to me when we talk about female leadership is that I'm a hardcore feminist. Women have no place in leadership whatsoever. And then they always quote Titus Two, three, through five. I never get the one about women being silent in church. That hasn't come up yet, but it will now after this airs. Um, I've <laughs> now just wished, reminded them, <laughs> right? I've reminded them of this, and so I would love to know, in your opinion, what does it mean to be a kingdom woman in today's culture?
1: Yeah, it's such a I I, I don't actually understand why why it's still a hot topic. To be honest with you, it seems crazy to me. But I will tell you a little bit of background. I have always been drawn to leadership. Um, And as a younger woman, I'll be 50 this year, but as a younger woman really wanting to get better in my leadership, I looked to find female mentors that I really respected, that I could feel aligned with, that I could relate with, and I couldn't find one. I could not find one. Either they were super masculine. Um, even today, right now in 2023, you see women that are kind of in positions of leadership, and the the majority of them are very like they cuss and they just kind of talk real hard, and they're just like, "Get your you know what in gear." And I just didn't relate to that, even though I'm definitely more on the kind of aggressive. Just my personality in general, I'm passionate. I can. My husband always says I'm a shoot, ready aim and that's not <laughs> technically true. I'm a ready aim shoot, I just do it fast. I just go ready aim shoot like I don't need any prep time but anyway, that's a different whole podcast. <laughs> um, so I looked around and I just didn't see I didn't see women that I felt like, wow, I really want to grow and learn from her and be like her. And when I looked at male leadership, there was it they weren't they were men. <laughs> they were men they think different they look at life different i feel like we have equal yet different uh, but equally powerful roles in the kingdom so um and another thing for about me in particular my background uh, you know a long time ago now but i was in the beauty business for over a decade like i'm very girly <laughs> I, I like all the things like i like to get dressed and put makeup on and and really like Be a woman. I'm happy to be a woman. I, you know, I'm a mother. I'm a wife. I love to make my home nice and cozy, and I love to cook and and really nurture and take care of my family. So in the world, these two things seem like opposing ideologies, right? Like to be a leader in the business world to really, uh, you know, generate and create income, help other people to do that, Um, helping to inspire and mentor people, but then also like total homemaker. (laughs) I'm totally both. I'm totally both of those things. And who, who was I to look at? So that's kind of my take on, you know, as I, so I just, and, and I, I actually searched for mentors. I prayed God, like, why won't, why can't I find a mentor? And very, very clearly, I remember feeling like the Lord spoke to me and said, like, I'm your mentor. You don't need, you don't need to look to these other people. You just need to look to me. So I really began to dive in specifically to Jesus, um, who he uh, is and the way that he lived his life and the words that he spoke. And so, first and foremost, I'll, I'll talk about Titus in a second, but I just want to say, first and foremost, Jesus was the one who disrupted. You know, it was illegal for women to learn about scripture, it was illegal for women to be taught the Torah. And Jesus welcomed women into his ministry from the get, from day one. And so in the Bible, when you read, let's just talk about the like the loaves and fishes, right? It talks mm-hmm. about there was 5,000 men and women and children. They didn't even count the women because technically women weren't even allowed to be there. But Jesus welcomed women in not only to be part of his ministry and what he did, but he welcomed them in to be taught scripture. So if he is our guiding light as believers, that alone should quiet the conversation. It doesn't, but that alone should. Oh, I love that. I just had this
0: conversation yesterday about Mary Magdalene being one of the first disciples. And her. You know, Luke talks about her being there and other women being there in the ministry, hearing revelation and sharing the gospel with people and learning scripture. And they were shocked. They were like,
1: wait, I've read the Bible cover to cover multiple times and
0: I never picked that up.
1: I don't know why it's, there's women all throughout the Bible, specifically in the New Testament. I mean, in the Old Testament too, absolutely yes. in the Old Testament. But specifically, if we're gonna like just look at what G, like the mandate that Jesus set, women were all through the New Testament. And then I, I like to point this out, you know, Jesus dies on the cross, he gets closed up in the tomb, he rises again. Who's the first person that Jesus? Went to that Jesus appeared before, and and I believe it was because uh, for a number of things. I think Jesus was setting a precedent first and foremost. Um, I think it was uh, a very profound thing. And when she went and told the disciples, they didn't even believe her. Yeah. So this is again just a, a like a a snapshot of even today. Jesus appeared to her first and foremost, and said, "Go tell him." And they were like, no, you're not right. No, you didn't. And that, that I think is a profound thing. I mean, he's Christ. He could have said and done whatever he wanted, gone and appeared before anybody, but he appeared before her for first, um, Her their relationship, his trust in her, and his basically handing over authority to a woman to be the one to share the message first and foremost that he is not in the tomb. That's profound to me. Yes. Oh my gosh.
0: That's what I'm writing my whole book about Yeah, <laughs> is this very encounter and how it sets a huge precedent. And so I hear, I just hear this from people all the time is, oh, there's no place for leadership. You can't be a homemaker and, you know, run a successful business. And I love that you pointed out there's women all over the new Testament that do it. Lydia's a profound one to me, right? I don't feel like people talk about her enough, but she sold purple linen, and made enough money that she had a whole house full of servants and was able to welcome, you know,
1: Paul and everybody into her home and whole church in her home. It's powerful. And if you look at um, just uh, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, mm-hmm. um, you know, they were a huge part of Jesus' ministry and they were quite wealthy. They were a wealthy family, um, you know, and they, they, weren't, they were business people they weren't in the nobody was in the ministry that of the the Jesus core team none of these people were in ministry before Jesus called them and and yet you know he and i think this is a profound thing too like this whole conversation we'll talk about leadership and women but it could very easily roll into the conversation about money and finances too because you know people you know the root of all money is the root of all evil but but Jesus' closest confidants in his three years of ministry who went everywhere with him was this wealthy family, was this wealthy group of people who traveled with him. And, you know, he he was taken well care of. Do you know what I mean? I mean, Jesus yeah. was taken well, the whole, the whole group was well taken care of. And it was this family with these two women uh that were I believe, depending on you know different commentaries that you read, I believe that they were a big part of funding um, this, the traveling and the feeding of the disciples and taking care of Jesus in that manner. I love that because
0: that's something I'm super passionate about. Is the more money I think that women have. Right. We've seen what they do with it in the Bible. The Bible tells us all over. Priscilla went and planted a church with her husband, right? Lydia opened up her home. Proverbs 31 woman had multiple streams of income and was, you know, my favorite verses because she had, you know, abundance, basically, she extended out to the needy and was able to care for many people. And so I I I never understand the conversation like, oh, well, women should just stay home and they have no business doing anything. They shouldn't speak on anything. Me, it's just absolutely wild to me.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll just share my personal opinion. I believe that from the from the beginning, from you know when there was only Adam and Eve and God, and you know then the enemy entered into the picture, and he, I believe that he saw the influence and the power that that God had given, the authority that he had given to women, to her woman, and. From the beginning of time, has worked successfully at taking away a woman's identity, taking away a woman's power. Um, You know, the most victimized demographic in all history is women, period. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter the color, doesn't matter, it's women in all of history. And it continues to be. I mean, women continue to be the most victimized demographic in the world, and you know women are pit against each other. It's a hard; they have a hard time having real friendships and relationships. I mean, there's a the whole thing, and I believe it's it's the design of the enemy. Knowing that, you know, there I believe that there is something very unique, um, specifically in the way that God designed a woman um, with our ability to nurture and love. It, it's um, you're a mother and the way that we love our children is such a snapshot of the way that i believe christ loves us i mean your kids they all do they do things that are bad whatever but as a parent as a mother our ability to look through the thing that they did and see who they are at the core of their being never fails We never want bad for our children. We never look at them and go, ha ha, now I can punish you. I mean, it's just not the thing that we do. And I believe that this relationship that we share um, with our children gives us the ability to have such an intimate understanding of who Christ is and the way that he loves us. And I'm not saying that men don't have it, I, I believe that, but I think what we have is something unique.
0: Yeah yeah I do too I, and I think that's why there's such a need for more leadership from women because we just do things differently.
1: we're supposed to uh, by design and you were talking about you know the women in the Bible when they had money, but statistically right now in the world when when women make money, communities change. this is a statistical fact um, when you put when you put finances, when you put resources in the hands of women, especially women, godly women, especially Christians. Then the needle gets moved on uh, just the betterment of humanity, changing society, to, you know, uh really helping the marginalized, uh, creating solutions. This is the, this is in our DNA. Um, as humans, of course, but specifically um women. And I that's why I believe that the fight is so hard it, within the church and and outside of it, because the enemy has embedded these things like. You know, there are still places in the world where women don't have – there's still places right now where women don't have rights. Um, But when women do have rights, when women do have authority, um, things shift and change. And, you know, it began with us like not knowing our identity and not taking our place in authority. And then right alongside of it, you know, the enemy has worked very hard to create this, the lack of identity in men. And you're seeing it right now in our generation more than you've ever seen it before. The term tos- toxic masculinity and really trying to take away the very thing that men are. They are protectors. They are providers that is – and to make them bad for this thing that they are, just the way that the enemy made us bad for the way that we are. And, you know, like – so it's an interesting thing and I believe that um, it's a – we're at a pivotal point in um, in just time and history where women, as we take our rightful place in the kingdom, which is not above men, not a feminist view. <laughs> it's not a feminist view that like women are better – it is, a, it is a congruency that there is ultimate equality between men and women, and that God designed us to work complementary to each other and to partner with each other. And I've been married for over 20 years, and I will tell you, me and my husband are not the same. But because of our differences, it has created – I have become a much better person because of the fact that we are different and you, know, you begin to shape each other. And I believe that that's by design if we were both the same, right? Um, it, it, it's not – you don't have the same opportunity for growth and depth and really, um, you know, creating, I believe, a balanced home as well. I mean, just yeah. we could go into a whole conversation about child rearing and all of that where, you know, there, it's, it's a beautiful thing to have the balance, you know, of, different, of the different roles. And, and it doesn't have to be the specific role. Like the woman stays home, and you know whatever. I don't. It that's bunk, because there are plenty. There are men who would actually really, really thrive in the home environment. You know, handling the finances, and the woman's making the money, but they're taking care. There, it doesn't. That doesn't matter to me necessarily, because I think that's antiquated, and people should be able to do whatever, wherever they feel called to do it. Um, But. That is that doesn't limit women. Men are not limited. Men could stay home or they could work. They could lead in the church or not. But the world has told women that we are limited. We're limited in what we can do. Now it is difficult to have it all. I will tell you. At, you know, now that all my children are out of the house, it's very difficult. Which is why I have made career choices that allowed me the ability to, you know, have it all, <laughs> and and I was able to. You know, really create a wildly successful multiple seven figure career at home. And my third child, who's 20 now, I was home her entire life from the time that she was two and a half, her entire life. I love that so much. I love that you brought up the church too, because
0: that is something that I know, like, I've dealt with personally too, is that, you know, um, we left a church like a year ago because they were like, there's no place for women leadership. There's no place for a women's ministry, all of these things. And so I would love to know, like, how do you feel like churches could better support and equip female leadership to maximize like potential in the community?
1: Yeah, um, I'm lucky. I have gone to a church that has really celebrated women and brought them into the fold. Like having women pastors speak in front of the congregation. And I will tell you, it took years before the congregation would accept it. Mm. Um, they ha- it was a slow burn. You saw um, him kind of bringing women in more, um, like like partner teaching from the pulpit and different things until they finally had you know the first like woman-led, um, you know, Sunday service. But it took a long time because people, you almost have to undo some of this religious bunk. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but I think in general, you know what's interesting about specifically like women in the church? Women aren't allowed in a lot of churches still to be in a leadership role. They're, they're allowed to be in kind of these um, – supportive roles or like subservient roles or whatever. But yet in almost every church there's probably 10 to one um Bible studies and ministries within the church for women versus men. Yeah. So if that's the case, women are getting much more fellowship and much more teaching than the men, but yet not allowed to actually teach. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Oh my gosh. Yeah. A whole different <laughs> thing. Um but you know um I think that it very much depends denominationally on the on the on the church that you're going to, where their stance is, and it's kind of almost considered progressive, like a progressive Christian church to allow women in the front, and even people in my own family, who are you know have been believers their whole life, are uncomfortable hearing women pastors. Isn't it funny? That is so funny. I I don't
0: when you're doing all these amazing things, right?
1: (laughs) Well, I'm not a Pastor, right? Like, I I would have been considered maybe a speaker, but not a pastor. And so, you know, it's kind of an undoing of and allowing, you know, and can I talk about Titus for a second? Do it. So, one of the things that I think the church has really gotten wrong and that believers have gotten wrong is reading the Bible with zero. Investigation with zero context, with zero understanding. You could pick up some of my notes. I have books and books of notes over the years, and I would. You could maybe read a little side note or something that I wrote. And if you if you took it at exactly what it was, without knowing where I was, like actually, where was I when I was listening? Who said it? What was the context in what they said? You could literally decipher almost any meaning from what I said, and and make it fit. Whatever you wanted it to fit. Uh, When you look at specifically the New Testament and all the different books, um, there were basically two groups of people that were being spoken to at any given time. It was the Jews and the Greeks, right? It was people that were had grown up in the Jewish faith under the law, which were what is there six hundred some laws that they lived under. Which let's not even go there. How that's not even a way to live and then you had this kind of greek uh free for all <laughs> just <laughs> please myself everything is about making my, me happy i mean you couldn't get to two opposite sides of a belief system as those two groups of people and then jesus comes he's like hey we're all under one banner we're all the same you think there wasn't infighting we think there's infighting now can you imagine you're no, talking no. about just, and you know the you couldn't even be a follow God unless you did all these things and now Jesus is like hey they can come. <laughs> They're yeah. like no they can't. They didn't do all these things. They didn't get circumcised. They didn't do this. They didn't do all the things. Specifically in Titus, um they were speaking to the Greeks. And Greek had made gr- the Greeks had women that they worshiped like goddesses that they worshiped. So if he was speaking specifically to to this culture that had created deity out of women then you had to speak to them completely different than you spoke to this group of people, right? Who didn't let women do anything. So I believe oftentimes in the Bible, and Jesus did it a lot. He said one thing in this verse, two chapters later, he said something that seemed almost the polar opposite. And people are like, the Bible's confusing. At face value, of course it is. But if you actually like study, now I'm not talking about, doing a Bible study, I'm talking about studying the Bible. That's two mm-hmm. different things. Then you would understand – it would make so much – it makes so much more sense to you. Oh, well, it makes sense of why in Titus they're speaking like this and saying this specifically. They were like, listen, you're not to worship women. Women are not over men. Women are equal. We're equal. And so he was speaking specifically to a group of people based on the culture that they were coming from and the way that they – um We're interacting with women at that time. I love that so much. I always tell people, too, like, Titus
0: doesn't limit us either. Like, no, we're in that passage. Is that like, this is the only thing women
1: are capable of? I don't think it says that anywhere in the Bible at all. Nope.
0: (laughs) Nope. I've yet to find it. And if somebody does, please leave it, you know, for us so we can
1: see that in context because I mean, you're the, you're the one you have studied scripture in school and you're the one that knows, um, way more even than I do at all of the cultural context and, uh, you know, way more, I'm sure you've read tons of, um, opposing, uh, commentaries on the verses and all of that. So I would love to hear your take.
0: Yeah, I I'm going to do a whole episode on Titus because this is just such an intense topic for people, but I always tell somebody And it's like, like a tiny book. It's so tiny. It's so tiny. Um, but I always tell people don't just take like my interpretation of scripture, right? Like exactly. do an inductive study method, right? And if you guys don't know what that is, we can also talk about that. I've got resources for you on how to do an inductive method. But it's asking these like who, what, when, where, why questions, right? And getting to the context of who somebody is actually speaking to and what the purpose is. And I love doing that. I'm a nerd. And I've got like um, another thing I always recommend people get to is like a concordance. I wish I had mine sitting on my desk, but mine has like 4,000 topics that are in the Bible and then list every single verse about it. So you can see it and know the holistic view of what God actually is saying. That's awesome. And that I think it's really beautiful. i recommend everybody have one. If you don't have one, Michelle, I'm going to send it to your
1: house. I don't have a concordance, but I um I use like blueletterbible.org. Yep. Um I I and I dive in. And I have just in my in my own home, I have a couple of different versions of the Bible and I love to do that too. Yes. Um and and, and I read um opposing um commentaries. I think that I want to, you know, and all of these things, and I rely wholly on what I feel that the Holy Spirit is speaking directly to me. Mm. That I think is really special.
0: <laughs> like I feel like you're always so in tune with where God's leading you.
1: I, I think that if, if we trusted what He is impressing on us more, then more people would be. Um, But, you know, unfortunately for most human beings, we have um, these neural pathways from childhood and experiences that speak very, very loudly to us that actually um, get in the way of us being able to trust the things that we hear in our spirit from, from the Lord, you know, the impressions of the Holy Spirit. And so the work of our lives is to get rid of those so that we like open up the ear canal to be able to, to hear. And, and I don't, I also, one place that I've gotten now in my walk, um, as a leader, especially is that I don't, I'm not, I'm so, um, humble in my belief to think that because the Lord has spoken something to me and I believe it passionately, that does not mean that you are going to, and it doesn't make you wrong that you don't, and it doesn't make me wrong that i don't because the it is a journey it is a journey that is the 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 length of our lives while we're here on earth and you know i believe that christians are really really good at saying no 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 you're in the ro- you're on the wrong journey
0: <laughs> yes oh my gosh yes i hear that all the time too um which is why i always tell people don't take my interpretation of scripture like, take it to the lord right like he'll confirm truth to you every single time yes. um and so I love it too. In the beginning, you talked about needing a mentor, right? And the Bible talks about discipleship all all over the place. And I would love to know, like, what type of mentorship or what does mentorship look like for female leaders in the kingdom, in your yeah. opinion?
1: Uh, like I said, I really struggled. I was sad. And um, part of it was because I felt that I needed somebody who represented, um, All the things that I wanted to become, right? I think you know the call of motherhood is the most amazing, hardest, most rad, most heartbreaking. (laughs) It's all the things. So I was really looking to somebody that, and it's and it's kind of a crapshoot too. I mean, you know, you your children are their own people. So the way that your children um, develop as adults. Is and isn't a reflection of you. It's both. So, you know, there was that. That was really because I'm so um, mi- market ministry minded. I was really looking for somebody who had success in the marketplace that I could emulate. It was really difficult for me, but I, I know that God allowed me the ability to um, experience the things that I had experienced in a pure way so that I would be able to um, become the mentor that i wanted and i think that it's it's way more than you know being really good at posting on social media it's way more than being a good speaker it's way more than just being successful it is a holistic um there are holistic attributes to who you are as a person which is you know the radiant leadership academy which you've gone through now a couple times is the, it's it's the premise for the whole thing i believe that we have believed this um kind of false idea of what leadership actually is. It's doing. if you're here's five steps to being a great leader, you do this. It's here's five things to say as a leader. You say this, but none of that matters to to me, just uh, the, the way that I view leadership. If when you turn off the camera and when you're sitting in somebody's home, if those things that you said aren't actually who you are, it it negates everything about what you said to me. Personally, on a personal level, and so for me, um, it was. It's very important to me that I am the same person all the time, on the camera, off the camera, in front of the room, the way that I and with my kids uh, at the dinner table, at church, like holistically, from from the inside out. And I believe that that is. Um, harder to find for a number of reasons. Number one, it's hard for people to be transparent. N- number two, everybody's on a journey and we all have problems right? So it's like you then you set this expectation that you have to be perfect in order to lead and that's not the case. but that there is um, I believe I feel very very accountable to who I am. Um, and so my standard for me is like everything that I do, I do it like I'm like I'm doing it with and for Jesus all the time. And that took a lot of maturity (laughs) and that took a lot of growth to get there because I was self-motivated. I was ego-motivated. I was, you know, money-motivated. I was all the things that we all are. Um, And, you know, God had this beautifully, this beautiful way of breaking me over and over until I kind of got, I got the point.
0: (laughs) I love that. If you guys have not gone through Radiant Leadership Academy, I 10 out of 10 recommend you do get tissues also um, when you do it because I the la- I remember the last call, I full on ugly cried in the last call because of the amount of inside out transformation that occurred. Um, and my, I know my husband sees it, my kids see it, my friends see it all, you know, because it it changed me completely as to who I am.
1: That's just God if you if you let him and you do the work because it's one thing to kind of like talk about it, all these people I've been loving it's january twenty twenty three it's what is today the third we're only a couple days in, and I've been seeing all these people posting their word for the year, and a lot of people have the word that is disciplined, but very few people will actually act it out. They'll actually stay committed to being disciplined in any area of of their lives. And then I think that that's really. Sad it, because it it takes work to grow. It takes work to lead, and you know we have belie- another lie. We've believed that you know it's too hard. It's not easy enough. If it's not easy, then God's not opening the door. That's a lie. It's such a lie. Oh yes, I just quoted yesterday. Um,
0: do I have it with me? I do. Luke twelve forty eight is one of it's like my verse of the year right now, which is. So I don't know how familiar you are with it. I'm Read gonna, it. I'm going to pull it. We're going to end it out. Um, There we go. Mm-hmm. Got it highlighted. I was sharing it with somebody just yesterday because it spoke to me so much. Um, Or no. Yeah. It says, from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. It's from the NIV. So... <clears throat> The idea that it's going to be simple to step into leadership in
1: this calling is a lie. It's a lie from the enemy. It's hard. It's it's actually super hard. It's a continual dying of yourself to live in the service of other people. Oftentimes, it feels like at the cost of yourself, um, but it's it's not. It's a it's a true honor. It's a true. Um, it's a very humbling thing to actually sit in the authority seat that we sit in as women and have the privilege of impacting people's lives, um, our children, our spouse, you know, the the women that we are in our friend group. And um so I you know me, you've heard me say this a hundred times. I'm obsessed with growth. And um I used to think it was such a ne- it such a negative thing about me that. Like I don't want to read fiction books because I just want to read things that are helping me to continue to grow. Um, and kind of in that, that's kind of my mindset all the time. And, you know, I believe that your biggest the part of some of your biggest giftings that God gave you are the places that the enemy is gonna lie to you the hardest. So I was like, why am I like this for so many years? And now I'm like, I'm happy. I'm like that because I'm happy that I, you know, because I know that I can help spur other people into that direction. And it's just, it's an incredible honor to be living in this time right now.
0: I feel that so much. So last question that I have for you today is what would you say, like, what's one piece of advice you would give to a woman listening to this? Who's like, okay, I felt the need to step into leadership. I have something I want to share but they're afraid to to make that jump, or they don't feel equipped to make that jump.
1: Mm, good. You shouldn't really feel equipped. I mean, it's like a it's like a double edged sword. Um, uh, in my, I will tell you that I always feel totally equipped and ill equipped at the exact same time. Always mm-hmm. knowing that I have uh, been given some skills to take me to give me part of the puzzle, but It's always only going to be part because when we're truly partnering with God, he is the other part. And without him – Um, we'll never be able to step fully into anything that he's asking of us as a, as a mother, as a wife in the marketplace, as a leader. And so I think it's both all the time. And what, one of the things that I see women do, they're, they're too afraid. So like, I'm just waiting. I'm waiting for the next confirmation. I'm waiting for God to open a door. I'm waiting for like that will never actually happen until you take a step, an action. There's an action, whatever the action is, it might be as small as like telling somebody what you want to do or, Writing a post, or making a phone call, or making out a plan—only you know. Only you know. But it always, in my life, at least, um, the the next, like, okay, have you used this on your phone where you can send a message and it's like blurred out, and you have to touch it to um to make the message appear? No, but I now I'm interested. <laughs> It's on an iPhone. It's like one of the things that you can do. You could send an invisible message where you can see you got the message, but you have to take your finger and you have to you have to touch it and then it appears. Then it'll go away again. Um, I think it's called invisible ink or something. Um, but I feel like that is how – like there's a message there. there. The next step is there, but it doesn't appear until there's an action taken on your side. This is where faith comes into play. Like it's all about faith. You will always have a level of feeling ill-equipped because that's what faith requires of you to actually take a step without seeing the where your foot is going to land. To trust that that God is going to show up um, and you know illuminate the next thing for you, or or fill in the gaps where you don't you're, you're ill-equipped, or provide where you don't have a resource without knowing that that's actually that's how it actually works. <laughs> that's actually how it works. It doesn't work any other way. It's You could come up with a business plan and you can have all these things planned out and wait and wait until the perfect moment. And you will never activate the supernatural power of God if that's what's happening. But if you want to operate in, in the kingdom, if you want to operate in your full authority, the authority of being a daughter of the king, it's required of you to take steps, terrified to to move out into action without knowing the the rest of the way um it's required of you wow I love
0: that that's such a beautiful way to end this episode michelle I feel like you're gonna have to come back because there's so many things that we could talk about for ever I so love and appreciate you being here I know that the women listening to this I hope they were taking notes because you dropped a lot of really incredible truth bombs
1: for for some women and just thank you for being you. Well, I love you and thank you for inviting me. Thank you for being you and for being such a conduit for so many other people. And um, I know this is going to be a remarkable year for you and your family. So thanks for having me.
0: Thank you so much for listening to The Milk and Honey Show. I hope this episode has helped you feel more confident in the calling God has for you so you can lean into your purpose and impact. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a second to rate and review. Each review helps us to help more Christian women entrepreneurs just like you. Don't forget to take a screenshot, share it in your Instagram stories, and tag me at the lemon Price. I'll see you next week.